Hi, I'm Michelle Sedis. I live in Texas, Flower Mound, Texas. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Mike's Open Journal. And a big welcome to Michelle, as you heard there in the introduction. Uh, my conversation with her today was a really interesting one. And again, uh, another one across the pond over to America. So delighted to have the opportunity through the modern age of technology to be able to talk to Michelle about mental health, a little bit about her own story. Uh, and we kind of had a discussion about our own thoughts on a few different topics which are in there as well. Again, thank you very much for, for listening and for tuning in to Mike's Open Journal. And again, a warm welcome to you, but also an invitation. If you would like to come onto the podcast and talk about your own experience, your own journey, um, your own thoughts on mental health, uh, whether you've been directly or indirectly affected by mental health, um, everything is is kind of open for discussion, uh, hence Open Journal. So I'd be delighted to have all of you, any of you, one of you, uh, come onto the podcast and have a chat about your experiences or just your thoughts in general. We're also looking at having a few specific topic-themed podcasts in the future, so look out for some more information about those as well. Uh, here's myself and Michelle. Yes, I'm yeah. in a conference room. It's actually quite chilly, so oh. I have my coffee to warm me up. So I've oh, got all kinds of hot good. and colds. <laughs> a, a mixture <laughs> of temperatures going on. Yes. Oh. yes, I don't know what to do about that. No, that's good. I like that you've got a conference room. I feel very like in a shabby little room oh. now. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Oh, well, that's good. Great. Um, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, well, I think um, for me, like half because I'm lazy <laughs> um and half I just I like to leave the conversations as much as they are as we have them um for someone to listen to because I think it's quite a natural conversation then rather than okay. go through and chop bits in and out so I usually just take out the first little bit which is us saying hi and usually talking about the conditions that we're both sat in <laughs> um sure. which seem to be quite good today so that's good um yes. just having a quick run through uh so yeah for me just to have a chance to hear a little bit from you about uh how you got involved with with mental health and maybe what was the sort of the first time that you started to talk or be involved in a mental health issue okay so I have experienced depression and anxiety and panic attacks for most of my life. Mm. Um, I'm sensitive by nature. And so when I was 12, I was hospitalized for depression for the first time. And uh, I was in the hospital for six weeks and they taught me some coping skills and things you know, how to live and how to manage my mind. Yeah. And, um, but I was a, a suicidal 12 year old, which is a little bit unusual. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but that was my first hospitalization. And then I was always very perfectionistic and tough on myself. And I felt like if I wasn't perfect, I needed to be punished. And I just didn't have, I didn't feel I had a lot of freedom maybe to be myself and my parents were so loving and so wonderful, but I think maybe just because of genetics and my sensitive nature, I just always felt that I needed to be perfect. So I was, um, let me think about when the second hospitalization was, <laughs> there've been so many. Um, <laughs> so I remember I was traveling with my husband he, he had been traveling. He would travel. When we first got married, he would travel like I wouldn't see him for maybe six weeks and I wouldn't see him for a month. And so that was difficult on the marriage. So I put all of my things in storage and I went and traveled with him. Well, we were in Portland, Oregon for six weeks. We were in Atlanta. We were in Chicago, but we were always moving and I never got to form any friendships or any connections. And because we were always moving, I wasn't able to get my roots and I wasn't able to get a job. And so I started to get reclusive and more mm -hmm. reclusive and more reclusive. And I remember by the time we were in LA, I was just staying inside the apartment and the suicidal thoughts were back. And I remember sometimes I wouldn't leave the apartment. Like if he was gone during the day, I wouldn't leave it all week long, Monday through Friday. And mm -hmm. it, when I did need to go 
to the grocery store, I would start in the morning trying to put my clothes on thinking, okay, you need to go to the grocery store. And it was just so difficult to get out because I was afraid, what if I, what if I said the wrong thing to the cashier? And I I was just so, I'm, I'm sad for that person that I was because that's just no way to live. So I went to a three week outpatient program while I was in Los Angeles. And then even a couple weeks after that, my husband sent me back home so that I could be hospitalized again. That was the second one. Mm -hmm. And then the third one was a few years ago, and it was more of OCD thoughts, thoughts that just were sticking with me and wouldn't let go. And I just could not. My counselor reassured me, you know, with the OCD, it doesn't matter what you're thinking about. It's just that your mind is in this OCD storm, she said. So, um, but that was the last hospitalization, I think maybe four or five years ago. So I've definitely always dealt with this and always certainly had a heart for helping people who struggle because mm-hmm. I understand struggles I under, and I have not had addiction problems, but I'm so sensitive to people who do because it, it, I mean, it's difficult dealing with our minds and things like that. So about um, eight years ago, I think, I wrote my first book, and it was Welcome the Rain, Choosing to See Beyond Life Storms. And in it, I have it's the idea that we can choose how we look at life. Mm. If rain is coming, the businessman can say, oh, great, it's raining today. My shoes are going to get wet. My car is going to, I just washed my car. Or across town, we can see the farmer who is saying, wow, we are so blessed. We have the rain. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that was a long answer to your question. <laughs> it's good because it gives you a chance to sort of talk and obviously introduce um, a little bit about yourself and your backstory as well. And I know you've um, you've spoken or you've done a blog for, uh, is it Stigma Fighters? Um, I did. Yeah, where I've seen bits and pieces as well. So I think that's good. And I'll try and put, uh, I'll put a link into the description as well so people can go through okay, and, and have a look at that as well. I think you talk um, through some of those points and in a lot of detail as well. So yes. Gives a good and that idea. was the first, I had kind of gotten out of writing. And so that was the first time I wrote that in, in April, okay. this April. And that was the first time for me to write again in like three years. And it was, it was kind of freeing to be so raw and so real about my experiences. And I was kind of nervous what people would think, people who knew me. And mm. I posted it on Facebook and I was just so overwhelmed with so much love and people no one said anything that made me feel embarrassed or that I shouldn't have spoken out. So that's really that good. just whenever, whenever I saw your tweet asking to speak on mental health, mm. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if we can help other people, I and know. If we can... it's that thing, isn't it, of speaking out? And I think, especially like you yes. say, sometimes it can be. Um, it's great to do, um, but sometimes um, you see sort of we do it under like a different name and things like that and I think it's very personal when you put things out on like you say through Facebook and personal accounts and things like that yeah where it's not just that oh someone somewhere might see it it's that people you know um are going to see it and I think there's a real there's a a, a very real difference in the yes. reaction that you can get from that because um it is people that know you it is a reaction that's not just that initial sort of um oh, it's great that you're talking about that, lovely, lovely. And then it's the next time you see that person as well, sometimes it feeds into that relationship. Right. Um, And I think that's something I've really enjoyed because it's kind of that follow-on of having people not just say something nice in that first instance, but it, um, to some extent, I think improves your relationship with other people as well. I don't know if that's something that you've found... You cut out. It improves the, the relationship. Yeah. And then what you say? Um, it, does it? Do you think it's improved your relationship with some of your friends or family members because of um, your ability to sort of speak out about your your mental health? Oh, I think so. I think you know, 
they say that Facebook and often social media, we often try to just put the glamorous sides of our lives. Yeah. And whenever we see that, it you know, it can kind of make you feel sad thinking, well, my life's not that glamorous. But, you know, I think when other people are real and whenever they divulge things about themselves, it really does help you connect and realize, oh, yes, these are real people. They do have struggles. And I know that I had, after posting the Stigma Fighter piece, I had two people uh, message me saying that they were dealing with the same things and then asking for some advice. And that made me feel great that I had spoken up and that hopefully something in my struggle could maybe possibly help them would be, you know, such a blessing to me. Yeah, I think I've had uh, a couple of friends that have, um, I wouldn't say sort of come forward, but through having conversations with them and them talking about some of the stuff that I've posted before, they're a lot more open to sort of talking to you about issues or concerns yes. that they never would have before and you wouldn't have known about. Exactly. Uh, and I think that's something that says a lot for um, kind of realising how many people are affected by um, mental health issues, um, right. obviously to different degrees, but there's so many people that are affected that are around us that we're just not aware of um, because mm-hmm. we don't talk about it, I guess. Right. We all want to look look the part, but... Yeah. <laughs> but not to talk <laughs> about anything serious. <laughs> right. Um, so for me, kind of picking up a, a little bit from your your journey when you were younger um what was that like then being being sort of a 12 year old child um and going through some of those struggles because i think some of the people that i've spoken to before about issues like self-harm and suicide um are are kind of around sort of their 20s and their 30s and i wonder Mm -hmm. whether that would be a very different experience for you as as such a young person Yes. Now that I'm a parent, I can see it as my mom did. And she always struggled. Is this normal adolescence Mm. or is this depression? It was always so hard for her. (laughs) But mine was definitely definitely the depression and just being so self-conscious. And I just wish I could go back and tell that little 12-year-old, you know, that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to say silly things. And it's okay to, you know, um, I guess just make mistakes and not be perfect. So I had had such a desire to be perfect. And I I think at the time we didn't know, or we definitely didn't know about the OCD component, Mm. but but I would just have something stick in my mind. And I just did not know why it was sticking in my mind all day long. And it would not release and it would not let go. And it would just trouble me for days and months and just the silliest things. But, but I think, um, and also in that stigma fighters piece, I worried that, you know, maybe what if my children inherit this illness? Mm. Well, the more awareness I have and the more I can speak out. And maybe if someone hears about reoccurring thoughts, they Mm. may think to check into OCD, but the more awareness I have, the more I will be able to help my children if that becomes something that they have. Did it, um, so. or has it since kind of raised a question when you're talking about obviously those kind of passed on genetics between yourself and your parents? Mm-hmm. Um, and how did that go? So my dad has also been hospitalized before for depression. Mm. And he's also a very, he's just wonderful, a genuine, kind, caring soul. And my mom has always been fun and energetic and the life of the party and someone you always want to go places with and do things with. But my dad was always the one who could understand how I could get so embarrassed about something and how I could dwell on something for days. And so because of his sweetness, I mean, it really helped. It helped me having him to have someone who understood what I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's having, having people around you, isn't it? Whether it's family or friends. And I think it's different for each person in their own situation and having those people that you're able to talk to and understand and take, um, sometimes it's just you talking it aloud to someone else. They don't always Mm -hmm. have to give you more information, but having someone that provides you with that kind of 
I don't know, environment or relationship where you feel stable and happy to sort of talk away to them at end without, I guess, a point all the time um, to try and understand yes. a bit more about yourself. And I think that's a real, a real strength to have. And you know, not everyone's fortunate enough to have family or friends around them, I guess, and that, that makes it a lot more difficult. Right. And and that was one thing, you know, when you do feel alone and when you feel like an oddball or when you feel like there's something wrong with you, I mean, it's just a terrible feeling and you, and you don't know where to place those feelings and what to do with them. And I did struggle before I wrote the Stigma Fighters piece because I didn't want to bring people down. And I'm always so concerned about how I present my, I guess, history because I, I never would want to trigger anyone else to feel bad Mm. but then again I thought but you know what if someone else cannot feel alone or if someone else can identify then that is going to be the purpose so that because once you like exactly what you just said if you if there are other people that you feel like you can identify with that just makes things easier Mm, I think so I think it's like you said it's understanding some of those relationships as well and working out what you can and can't say sometimes because not everyone has a not everyone has a positive reaction I guess to to talking about mental health and that can be for a number of different reasons it may be you know because they've been affected um directly or indirectly in their past and you might not know about that so that might make them reluctant to to talk about that um topic it may be that they don't know anything about it or they're just not um know in a place of mind to talk through something with you right Um, but I've definitely been in this situation you're kind of sort of touching on there where um you kind of sort of say so much to one person and so much to maybe somebody else um but you also become very wary of how much you I guess you unload on on certain people as well and it makes you a little bit wary so I guess in that situation it's it can be really important to have more than one person or a few people around you if possible yeah and a trusted um counselor Mm. you know that that has its place as well because they have the coping skills to be able to handle what you tell them and you're right I wouldn't want to unload too much on my friends because did they know how to deal with it it, right now I'm doing great but in those really really rough times could could they have handled and they probably could have because they it's not that they were in that place either Mm. but yes I do want to be mindful of and respectful to them and that's why counselors to me have been um just bless me so much because they have the coping skills and to deal with that as well is that um how you kind of got involved with mindfulness and things like that then through counseling I did and so my counselor had told me that because of my biology and because of my genetics there's probably always something that's going to be poking at me and she gave me an example she said If you are a bus driver and you're driving down the road and you have some, not patients, some people who get on your bus who are causing scene and being wild, and then you may have some customers getting onto your bus who are calm and serene, but if you're trying to get to your destination and you need to get to your destination and these passengers who are causing a scene, what do you do with them? And her advice was, you just keep driving. You ju- you look at the scenery, you look at the grass out in front of you, you look at the barn off to the side of the road, and you keep going forward. And so that was one thing about mindfulness is that these thoughts are going to come, but not to engage with them and not to fight them and not to struggle with them. And that's what's helped me so much is the mindfulness, the bare attention of life as it's unfolding. And that's helped me to not engage in the, of course it's difficult when you're in the moment and when you're obsessing about something, but that advice was so, it was perfect for me. And I love that analogy that she, she shared and I've shared that with others as well. So Um, I think it crosses (laughs) over, doesn't it? With that idea of, um, working out what sort of space you're in mentally as well. Sometimes where, um, for some people it's really important to identify a certain issue, 
um, particularly if it's something that's um, triggering their behavior or reaction or emotion. Right. Um, so sometimes I think it's really important to kind of look into that and work out why and how that's happening and, and address that. And in other times, I think it's also really important to, like you say, kind of be able to recognize it but then continue to to progress with whatever you're doing so like you say you recognize that those thoughts are there but it's not going to affect you and you're going to continue moving on with the journey yes um and i think it crosses over a little bit with um on one of the other podcasts we've spoken about um in the uk we have cbt i don't know if it's similar in america so um cognitive behavioral (laughs) therapy yeah Yeah. that's the one i that's the one i did um so they very much talk about the the idea of um a different type of analogy um but you're obviously in a certain situation and that's why you've come to us um but they'll say the the things that have gone on in your in your past whether that's to do with previous relationships or in your childhood um basically we're not going to look at that um yes we are going to work on where you are now and you moving forward um and it was really interesting for me to hear that um because um, they kind of give you the option early on and say, this is the way we work. We appreciate that's not for everyone. Um, so uh, they give you a bit of information and give you a chance to go away and think about it. And I love that. That was really useful because it also makes it quite clear as to what you're working on and what you're doing. Yes. Um, and for me, it was, a, it was a, I think, a good chance to sort of reflect and say, yeah, there is stuff probably going on in the past, but where I am right now the fact I've come to you is because there's a problem and I'd much rather work on me now because I see that as more of an urgent thing uh and work on me going forward and then if at a later stage I need to go back and look at that um so like you say you carry on with your um to jump back over to your yes um, exactly you carry on with the journey you get to your, your destination or you carry on so far and then you stop and you reflect on actually do we need to do something with those passengers if not then we can carry on and um, like you say, you get to a point where you're happy to do that rather than stop immediately and kind of hold yes. all progress. Exactly. And one thing that's helped me, um, kind of you said there is the time to reflect, there is the time to deal with your worries. And I know for me, like the same worry or the same thought can, can be with me for weeks at a time. Mm. But one thing, there's this time capsule method where you can say, okay, at 8 o'clock, I'm not going to worry about this right now, but at 8 o'clock tonight, For 15 minutes, I'm just going to worry as much as I can about this thing. And you kind of like push it off. You kind of like continue to drive your bus and go about your day. And then you let you say, but I will deal with this. I'm not repressing it. I will deal with it. And then I have often found by the time the 8 o'clock comes around and I make myself worry, well, there's really nothing to worry about. (laughs) Because you've already kind of moved past it in the first place. Right. That's really good. So it kind of helps. I like the idea of kind of like scheduling it in and you're like i will i will pay this attention like when i'm ready though not just when my mind tells me it needs to be now it needs to be now like no i'm doing this or that and like you say i'll sit down and think about this at a later stage or um, exactly i quite like that that's a good idea (laughs) just blocking that time out as well and it, it also leads to i think probably giving recognition to um a certain issue or feeling that you might have as well like you say you're not brushing it off right um you're giving it recognition and i think sometimes that helps as well because you're not downplaying it to yourself which i think probably for me i think that leads to a lot of problems further on where you've downplayed the the emotions or the feelings or the thoughts that you've had and then you get right. to a certain stage where it becomes too much for you um so i think having that that idea that you actually sort of recognize actually yeah there is something i'd like to or i need to sit down and think about rather than push it to the back of your mind for a couple of months and then get to a stage where actually it's too much for you exactly yeah um so what sort of mindfulness things have you have there been any particular like apps videos um activities that you've done as part of that well i for formal meditation i use the insight timer and you it you get little stars by however many meditation sessions that you do so it, I, I i'm a little five-year-old when it comes to my gold stars i want to keep <laughs> doing it so i can get a gold star and uh, i really enjoy that one it also has a social media aspect to it to where you can 
make comments. You can see who else is meditating and you can send them good wishes or things like that. Okay. So, but I, I really enjoy that for my formal meditation. Mm. And then, um, I have many different books on mindfulness None of them come to mind, of course, but <laughs> but I do like I like surrounding myself with it because it is such a peaceful way to be, and it's such a gentle way to be with your mind, and it's 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 a good it's a good path mm. to go down. We have uh, at the place that I usually work at. I work um, because I work in education. I work term time only, um, but the the institution that I work at has a it's called a prayer room um so it's oh, mi- wow. originally it's for um obviously prayer for different religions and faiths uh-huh. um but i've i've kind of come around to the idea of like actually in terms of just a like a re uh reflection space or like a meditation space it would be really nice right. to have it used for that as well it's it's a basically a large cupboard it's very small but if it's just one person in there there's enough space to kind of go in there and um like if they just need to chill out for a little while yeah um, that's and I, neat. I like i think the just like slightly changing the terminology of the room would really increase the mm. like the the perceived availability of it to that to people around because i like the idea of i think oh if i'd had like a really bad day i just wanted to go up there for sort of five or ten minutes and just um take a little bit of time out and then you're going to be so much more um, positive or productive after that time. Yes. That actually, you would gain quite a lot from that. But I wonder how many, how many individuals or groups actually have access to a to a space like that. Yeah, that would be so neat. And mm. even if you need to just go to your car, and even or even some place where you can just get away, because even during the workday for five to ten minutes to do something yeah. like that or if you can even do a walking meditation where you can just mindfully watch how your steps are your feet are touching the ground and there are things you can do in your own life and and create your own special spaces and maybe you there's something that you carry with you that reminds you to be peaceful and calm or mm. whatever but yeah putting a little thought into it can can make a big difference in your in your daily life yeah, I've seen a few um, a few YouTube channels that have some interesting content, and think um, I'm gradually starting to look through and try and find um, podcasts or something similar. So uh, I could just listen. To, I could go for a walk at lunchtime and then just listen to to something. Then, whereas a lot yes. of the things I've found so far have been kind of YouTube based. So it's a video, and it's a little bit mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit harder to listen to kind of on the go because you have to have like an internet connection and things like that. Um, True. whereas if it's a podcast you could just download it before you go and then walk out for sort of 10 minutes and have a walk around um so something like that i think would be really interesting so i'm on i'm in process of trying to find something like that at the moment well I, i'm sure on my phone i have something and if later on i'll look and i'll share it with you oh, okay. <laughs> because i know i have little things like that yeah uh, i've purchased them and have used them at times but anyway it's all different things isn't it to try and i think it's um to kind of pull it across to the whole sort of mental mental health versus physical health yes i think we very much um when you reflect on the idea that if um someone has an issue with an arm or a leg like there's that discussion with a doctor but you also talk with other people and you work out what works for you and um support in the workplace to maybe have greater mobility around right um, and things like that will just come up naturally and you think oh if someone's got a a particular issue at work be it um bipolar ocd depression anything else like where's the kind of the support for that and it's not um i don't think it's regularly active at the moment and the more we sort of talk about it and have those discussions you become aware of different sort of support networks and material that you can try rather than thinking oh this is the only thing i've ever heard about support for depression so it's that or nothing right 
Yeah, I know a lot of schools and you hear mindfulness has started to make, Mm. um, I guess, a resurgence. And I think that's wonderful. And one thing I am trying to do with my children is to teach them to also meditate with me and just to learn that that skill. It's such a skill to be able to calm down when you start getting upset and to be able to breathe. And, Mm. you know, so if we can start with our younger generation, if we can start with kids and help raise them up to learn peacefulness and mindfulness and that they can calm their emotions down you know that's that's gonna be such a skill to learn in their lives mm, i think especially um having worked with young people the increase in what we see in the the need to for lack of a better description just run around <laughs> sometimes, uh-huh. <laughs> sometimes and i think a lot more with the the increase in technology and things like that where we are seeing a lot more um i'd say kind of individual behavior uh, uh-huh. and a lot less activeness if that's a word um i think being able to have access to things that sort of make you recognize actually maybe you are kind of bouncing off the walls because you've spent a lot of time kind of sat there you've not really done a lot physically (laughs) and your body needs to do that it's not it might not be a case of uh we have we have or we've had a lot in the in the last few years in the uk so many children that are labeled with um ADHD um and a lot not to say that they don't have that um but a lot of the time it's because they're put in certain situations that kind of maybe lead them to behave in certain ways um and there's been articles about the fact that we have um as I've said like children that aren't maybe as physically active as they they need to be but also situations where children are just put in situations where um, maybe they're in with other young people that they don't mix well with and um, they could be mm-hmm. of different abilities uh, and different learning styles as well we've become increasingly aware of where we have young people that would be very good at a practical activity um, or a pact- practical career um, and then yeah. they're sat in a classroom for five or six hours a day it just doesn't suit them and that's why they will act up and need to be quite physical because they need that as part of their chemical makeup true we all need yeah that mind body spirit connection we all need to to do exercise and kids do too you're right yeah yeah get that energy out i know i'd like to say that's made me feel like i need to go for a run around but it really hasn't (laughs) (laughs) um one of the things i've also seen you um i think you sort of tweet or blog about is to do with um working out and eating disorders and things like that as well so i was wondering how for you those two sort of coincide because um obviously to me naturally that if you're going to be working out and doing physical activity that's great but then that means that you need to take on possibly more in terms of your food um, without being a nutrition and knowing a huge amount. Of, I've just made that assumption. <laughs> um, uh-huh. How how do you kind of see that for, for those people that are obviously affected by something that might lead into um, eating disorders, but also trying to be physically active as well? Tell me the question. <laughs> Is that my English? So, like, <laughs> no, no, no. You're great. I was, I was talking I have a lot to, to say. I just don't know what direction to take this. Okay. Uh, I was talking to Joy the other day and she was like, um, I sort of wait for you to ask a question. I'm like, yeah, there's not always a question. <laughs> kind of, I just finished the sentence and wait for you to take over. <laughs> um, so... That we that we both agree, um, that particularly obviously with with both younger people and older people there should be more of a push to be um, physically active um, and that's great. Um, but how does that potentially impact on things like um, eating disorders and potentially things like OCD as well? Yeah, I think trying to keep, you know, moderation is everything in moderation is such a great, I like that because I can <laughs> with my OCD get really, really, really into something and, you know, Maybe I don't need to be that into it. Maybe I can uh, have live a balanced life, and maybe I can spend time with friends and do my hobbies and do work. And you know, there really is time to do everything, and I don't have to get so into something. Mm. And I know for me, I have in the past really gotten into working out, and while it's great, um, there's more to life than that. And 
at what point, you know, I have to think now, am I doing this for my health or am I starting to cross over a little bit and just, I'm getting a little bit too much into it. Mm -hmm. So I think just that whole idea of when we do give time to meditation and being mindful that we're able to, I guess, reflect and realize, okay, maybe I am getting into this a little bit too much, or maybe I am getting absorbed with something else a little too much because definitely eating disorders are concerns out there. And I think it's not, obviously not just about the food. I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole mind, body, spirit, um, someone experiencing. I know for me, when I was experiencing my, a counselor once said I had anorexia at one point, but I don't know. Um, but I know for me, it was just that desire to be perfect. And I would only feed myself, or I would only let myself eat if I thought I had been good that day. Well, that's not about the food. That's about my relationship with myself. Mm. So I think, you know, us being loving with ourselves, I, I don't know how to cure eating disorders, but I, I just know for me, whenever my whole, um, when my whole attitude toward myself got better, then I, I was, that went away. And I no longer have this intense relationship with food that I did. So. I think it's, um, like I've also noticed with some of the people I've spoken to that idea that um, eating disorder being kind of perceived or not perceived as a type of self-harm as well I think so it certainly was for me yeah um, and kind of the way that people react to it is it's almost seen like um, not necessarily like an eating disorder it's like oh I'm on a diet and that's the way that I'm going to work it or um, like eating habits become a bit more of a secret and you think it feeds into as someone that sort of sits outside that sometimes you can see that very clearly as if you take away the food part of it that's very clearly like a, a kind of a signifier of things like self-harm where you, you're kind of doing something to yourself in secret um, right. and you're like you say you're not necessarily talking about it mm-hmm. um, I think it's that crossover and that idea that maybe some people aren't as willing to come forward and talk about eating disorders because to some extent um they identify it as self-harm and then because they see it as that which i kind of think it is um they're they're then less willing to come forward and talk about that because it sort of sits within a self-harm category Uh uh-huh um so i wondered if there was anything you kind of have seen or been part of that you think might help or identify ways that people could kind of come forward and talk about um, eating disorders? Hmm. I don't really know. I guess I, I was never really treated for eating disorder. I was treated for the overall depression, which I think is the way to go. I, yeah. I don't know. For me, it was the way to go. For me, it worked. Um, I can't say for other people because I haven't had that experience, mm. but I don't know. I think just to, to look at the whole picture and to look at yeah it's not just about the food it's so what does you, that food represent you feel like the it kind of sat within the depression as the the main sort of thing that was affecting you and the eating disorder was kind of part of that yes yeah depression as a whole and that was just one way that it came out one way that i i guess expressed the depression was through the withholding of my food mm-hmm. and i think it's maybe good that my parents didn't pay a whole lot of attention. Not, not that they didn't pay a whole attention, that they didn't Recognize. treat me for yeah. it so that because of then I didn't, I didn't, it didn't make me think about it more. Yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of treating it, treating me as a whole, which helped to heal me as a whole. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I think like you say though, each case is going to be different and it's working out True. what works best for you true um and i think like you say being able to identify whatever the the main factor is the thing that's affecting you or the thing that leads into subgroups or sub things that are are happening as well is obviously going to be um generally i think the best way to go because it's not just addressing that but it's probably addressing the other things as well yes and you know i I have CBT here that Mm. you mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy yeah I, i remember i was doing one this is just random, but I was in one um, 
outpatient program and it was kind of the the type of counseling where they go back and talk about your past and everything and so we were doing that okay and then one guy said and so cognitive behavioral therapy is is known and is proven to be the very best at treating depression and my mouth just opened, and I thought, then why are we not doing that here? You know, so I'm so glad that you have experience with that. Yeah. And, I, and I do, every chance I get, tell people about it because it is so good and is so real, and it does deal with the problems that you're experiencing at that moment, and it helps you cope with where you are in life then, mm. and it is just so practical. So I feel like that is the, yeah, I mean, it's no, been proven. I, I so. didn't know that it was like... like world leading or anything like that i mean it was very much for me um a case of it's something you've basically never heard of before and seems like ah. um kind of uh um i don't know like something that's accessible to everyone right but not really sort of promoted or talked about hugely oh. um so i think it's for me it's one of those oh if you've gone along and seen a, a gp or a doctor then they would probably refer you to a program like this. Mm-hmm. But you've got to kind of step forward first and go to see the doctor yes. um, before you're going to become aware of it. And I think that's kind of the drop down where you think a lot of people that are affected by this won't come forward. Right. Um, and that's where I think for me, people like ourselves kind of step in with the talking about your own situation um, and some of the resources or material or information that you've collected or that you've used. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully people are able to hear that and then feel a bit more confident about looking into or finding out about or coming forward and talking about the issues that are affecting them as well. Yes. And feeling the book, I have gifted this to probably five or six people, but have you read the good the book Feeling Good by David Burns? No. It is basically the CBT little handbook. Okay. For me, for me it is. It's just excellent. And, I, and I've read it before. I've read it many times. A different, it's very, it's large. Okay. So I've read different books <laughs> many times. Um, and it is earmarked. And my own copy has scribbles all over it. But I just felt so inspired just by the introduction. Oh, wow. Just by reading the introduction, I'm like, this guy gets it. And it is all about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just, for me, has been excellent. Mm. Um, One of the other things uh, I was interested with was the the idea that, um, obviously, you talk about when you're really young um, and as you get older, there's... um, You're in a very loving relationship and you've got Uh great support around you. Uh, But when you were talking about kind of moving around and living in different places and the the type of isolation that can lead to. Yes. I think obviously other people will maybe kind of get that without without the joy of the moving. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But I think that idea that you can you can be around people but still feel quite secluded uh and quite alone. And yeah. in that situation I think Steve you've got a bit more of an example where you're not somewhere where you're able to kind of build up that relationship with friends or family or work colleagues that are around you because you're you're moving all the time and just how you felt that process of um, changed the way you were thinking at the time. Yes, and I know, like, I know I was starting to feel self-conscious, so then I became more reclusive. Mm-hmm. And then I would have an interaction with someone at the grocery store and maybe they weren't as friendly as I had hoped, and then that made me more afraid to venture out the next time. And, I, you know, there are different things that you can do. Like, I, I wish I had been not forcing myself but maybe saying it, rather than giving in to my insecurity and giving in to my being reclusive i wish i had said okay today i'm just going to walk outside the door mm-hmm. just walk outside the door and just kind of give myself these little goals and help myself be able to feel comp- you know i think everything in baby steps when 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 we are so down low 
we can't think about going out and in public speaking, which I've done when I've, when I'm feeling good, Mm. but when we're so low, maybe the most that I could do would be go to the apartment complex manager and just tell her, hello, maybe that day, that's all I'm capable of, but just to give myself little goals and little steps and little things that I could do to not kind of give in to those insecure and reclusive feelings. And it is neat now that we do have social media and back then we didn't Mm. and we had cell phones back then, but, (laughs) (laughs) but now we have cell phones and we have Skype and I'm speaking to you and you're in the UK. I mean, how cool is that? (laughs) So there are ways to, that you can interact with people, even if you are physically secluded Mm. And then, of course, be compassionate with yourself and be kind with yourself and don't push yourself, but just think, okay, I'm going to set one little goal for today, or maybe today I can set two little goals for myself. How, what can inspire me or how can I, maybe, it, like I said earlier, I'm very, in, I'm very motivated by those little five-year-old gold stars. <laughs> so maybe I give myself a gold star for walking outside and saying hello to a stranger or something. Um, but just to continue to have the end goal in mind, which is a more healthy mindset mm. and to not give in to that fear. And, and of course, be patient with yourself and give yourself baby steps. I think it's the understanding, isn't it, of the people that are around you as well. Um, and I know I've spoken to uh, Danny previously, who has had issues around kind of getting out of the house as well. And uh-huh. um, he mentioned having a conversation with friends and they sort of said, oh, we're going to kind of get you drunk or get you in your oh, sleep. No. And then we're going to take you out of the house and you'll be fine because you'll already be out of the house. Oh, um, mercy. And I was like, it's that conversation where then that sort of makes you feel um, less confident in talking to those people. <laughs> yeah. But also, like you say, that's not a process of building anything up. It's um, right. I know when I've heard people talk about exposures before and they're, it's about working out what you're going to do and taking very steady steps. And sometimes you'll do one small thing and then the next day you don't even try to increase that. It's just about being able to do that again. Yes. Um, and like you are saying, just going up to, to someone that manages the building um, and then maybe the next day rather than saying, oh, today I'm going to sort of step outside. It's just I want to do exactly what I did yesterday and kind of keep that up um, and work very steadily with yourself. And I think yes. sometimes when you're talking to other people that maybe haven't experienced that or been involved in those discussions, they don't always understand the difference Right. Between kind of everything or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you do need baby steps. Yeah, as to how that works. So how how did you kind of feel that your conversations with friends or family members went around that time where you were trying to work out that very small kind of small baby steps for yourself um, and getting other people to maybe understand that? Well, luckily I'm... In my experience, I've been so blessed with such loving parents and a loving husband, and my my closest friends are so kind and caring, Mm. and they were able to see that any effort I was giving, if I was just showing up to girls' night sometimes, just the, don't make me talk, (laughs) (laughs) just the fact that I'm there, they were able to, they didn't put pressure on me to talk, they, you know, um, are so loving and kind with me. And I guess I think you and I were speaking earlier about sometimes you don't, I guess it's sometimes wise who to place yourself around. Mm. You can use a little bit of wisdom with the people that you allow to cross your path. And during those times when I was trying to build my confidence, I would try to stay with those loving friends who understood me and who knew that I was putting forth effort, even though it, you know, just showing up doesn't seem like much effort, but at the time it was just to get out of the house. So, um, I never really had to explain to them, but they just knew that, Mm. that those baby steps were a big deal and they were. That's really good that you've got that support around you, especially with friends. Um, that can be a big deal for, for some people when, it's great, like you say, with with social media and things like that, where we can make 
new acquaintances and friends and talk about things online and that's that that is amazingly beneficial uh but it's having the support of those people that are around you or that have been around you for a long time as well that can make a big effect i think on on the reactions we have to mental health as well yes and it's good to to put yourself in the path of those those loving friends and those loving people and just and to surround yourself with positive things that you put in your mind and, mm. and to read positive books and to watch positive movies and all of that makes a difference and all of that helps to build you up and to soothe your spirit and to calm your mind and all of those things do matter. Mm. Uh, to jump across to a completely different topic, um, mm-hmm. I know you've, I think you've also got a, a website up and running as well. I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's been up for a while, yep. and I quite frankly have lost the password to my um, <laughs> to my blog, <laughs> and somehow there's been some miscommunication or something with my web designer, so I've been trying to get that password for a, a few months now, Okay, and um, but it does have my books on there. It does have, when I used to blog, and, and I'm hoping to blog again, but it is michellesettis.com. I'm mostly, I'm on Twitter the most of anything, mm. um, at Michelle Sedis. So, <laughs> but, but big push for the, uh, the website and the blog. <laughs> <laughs> so you're currently locked out. <laughs> That's right. That's funny. Uh, the amount of times I, I forget passwords and just have to reset them each time. And I think, if so, what is the security that I can just constantly reset my password? <laughs> yes, and I've tried to reset it. And it's for some reason that's not working either. Oh, so I don't know what's going on. That sounds like you've so, actually got security. <laughs> yeah, it's even locking the owner out. Yeah. That's, really, that's really tricky. So, But hopefully I'm, I've been i've been trying to write blogs that i'm mm. trying to stockpile so that once i'm back in yeah i can actually roll out some blogs and i've gotten back into writing a little bit so but i do have things on my website yeah. just that are a little bit old <laughs> we look forward to a, a big change aren't you able to access it again <laughs> that's right that's right new and improved yes oh. so um is there a reason why you kind of stopped blogging initially or because I'm assuming there was a slight gap and that's why you forgot your password yes <laughs> rather than it just be a Tuesday and you couldn't remember the day before <laughs> <laughs> well that's a possibility with me but um I don't know I think it was one of those things I was just so into and then I started getting in I kind of moved my attention to I did Running Moms Rock for a few years with a friend of mine, and we put on a 5K. We uh, created this little company, Running Moms Rock. We did a website. We we did a – to promote healthy mind, body, and spirit, and we put on a 5K in our community. And so we did that for about five years, and I kind of moved my attention to putting all my thought into that. Um, and it was a great experience and we were able to help out the community and raise money for the children's advocacy center in our area. Um, but my friend moved away and so we're no longer doing that race. And so I feel like coming back, coming back to writing again. Mm. So probably quite nice, I guess, to have that, that time where you focus on something else as well. Yeah, it was nice. Have different ideas and uh, some more experiences to, to talk about and reflect on as well, I guess. Yes, and I did notice that it, there actually was a time when I was writing, and if I wasn't writing, I was anxious. Mm. And so I thought, maybe this maybe this isn't right. Maybe I shouldn't be so obsessed with writing or so afraid to not write that a bad thought will come in. Maybe I need more balance. Maybe I need more moderation. Oh, of course, I went down to zero, so that's not matter of moderation, <laughs> but... <laughs> But maybe I needed to not be so consumed with it, afraid that if I'm not writing positive words, then I will start to go down. Mm. So, but it's been nice to be away from it. And now I feel like I want to come back and write in moderation. Mm. So. I guess having had that experience as well, where you've gone off and and done something completely different and you get a chance Mm -hmm. to talk to people away from 
um, the kind of the same scene. Yeah, and you come back to it with um, like experiences and conversations that you've been part of uh, that will bring kind of a different view to it as well. Sometimes I think that makes right. a huge difference. Rather than sometimes we get really encased in a certain industry or field and um it's great because you get lots of knowledge and you get lots of conversations around that but sometimes you do end up with people that think in a very similar way to yourself or experience very similar things so to move away or step away for that for a little while um it's probably a very beneficial thing in the long term yes i think so i think it's been good for me um, so you mentioned Twitter, um, uh-huh. which we love. <laughs> uh, I, I read an article, like, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and it was um, another article about the death of Twitter and some, oh. it, it needing uh, something to do with uh, Twitter needing like short videos or something to keep it going or people to go somewhere oh. else. And I thought, I feel like it's just kind of changed its focus. It's become a lot more of like a community space. Uh-huh. Um, because I think it's so easy to interact with people that you initially don't know. Yes. So I think it works really well in that regard. So it's interesting to see the different interpretations of old. Just because it doesn't recruit a load new pe- a load of new accounts and things like that, that it's changing. But um, how have you found Twitter with regards to obviously talking about mental health online? Oh, I think it's been great. Um... I did take a, maybe a year or two off from Twitter and that in like, and now coming back, just like we said with changing the mindset, yeah. it's, it was, it was nice. It was a great break. And then I've come back now and they're different. There are different hashtags End the stigma mm. sick, not weak. I'm not ashamed. Those are all excellent movements mm. that are on Twitter and I've recently found those and just the idea of that you're not alone and you know for me I don't want to speak I mean it's good to have a mix of different things that you can talk about I, I think so yeah but during those times like I know I've I've been sad and I've needed to reach out and there there are those communities there waiting ready to talk to you i just think what a cool world we live in where strangers just because of a hashtag are able to talk to you and then you feel better (laughs) i mean that's just crazy (laughs) how does that work i just think it's so neat it works in such a i think for me such a different way to the way i would use facebook and i don't know if it's because of the sort of information sometimes it's held because i think of maybe it's just in my mind but facebook i think of very much a place that holds loads of um like i don't know about sort of personal information or details right um and uh so you feel like it's more of a not necessarily like a professional space but a space that um, i don't know you're i'm more wary of what i put on there i think right whereas i feel more um, kind of relaxed and able to just say whatever on Twitter, which is weird because more people can see it. <laughs> True. But we know that these tweets go by so quickly yeah. that, you know, the chances that the whole world's going to see it, eh. Yeah. Right. You're kind of able to give your more of your inner thoughts. I, I can see that. Yeah. I can see how that works. Um, and I think, like you say, the, the chance to to be involved, to have kind of support from other people but also to support other people um with the different campaigns projects and and the hashtags as well where you're able to to link into that and i think um like for me my experience previously would be like oh if you want to be involved in a conversation like that you're going to have to go to some sort of conference or (laughs) event or something like that whereas um you could see someone say oh i'm going to do like a q a or um let's have a, a group chat at whatever time you're like well, all i've got to do is just have internet connection at um yes. eight o'clock on friday or whatever and, exactly. and i can be part of it uh so i think that makes a huge difference so cool um and just increasing that conversation i think the the one we had recently um that received a lot of coverage was the uh i'm not ashamed post-it notes ah. um and just to see the growth of that over um i think really over a period of probably about a month oh wow seemed to go from something that was quite 
seemed quite a, a niche thing on social media to them being um it, or, uh, i don't know about in newspapers because i don't read newspapers um but it was, <laughs> it was on tv and the radio and obviously covering uh, a lot of coverage on social media as well oh, um, wow. and just to see that that grows from essentially someone setting up um an account on social media and their um their conversation their topic um their passion for mental health is just kind of covered in that way seems still quite amazing it is amazing isn't that great just to have that conversation take place is yes is really good Uh uh-huh and have that community and people who have felt the same way and have been there and can relate to you i mean that's what a blessing yeah it's great um is there anything that you kind of wanted to talk through um no, I feel great. I think I think we covered a lot of things that yeah. that I feel good that to express and yeah, I think this is has been great. I appreciate you allowing me to come and no, speak and, really and hearing my thoughts and it's I've been quite a pleasure. Having the the chance to um really talk through with a lot of different people from from different countries <laughs> um uh-huh. but that have experienced different things and I think for me um it's yeah it's great to have those conversations it's great that people listen to it but it's also I guess um kind of increasing your knowledge of of different things as well when um if I speak to someone that's affected by something that I'm not affected by the chance Uh to kind of have that conversation and actually be more informed or educated on um some of those topics I find really quite rewarding as well yes Um, to be able to think oh if someone came to me now and had like a particular concern or wanted to talk about um this issue i'd actually know a little bit more about it and be able to talk about um the knowledge that i have rather than just sort of sit there and and not have as much information to feed into them which i'm I'm sure would still be useful but um i think that helps because i've found uh any conversation where you can be a bit more sort of to and fro puts a little bit less pressure on the person that's kind of uh revealing um Mm -hmm. something about themselves so they don't feel like oh they're stood up there on a stage and we're all sat here listening (laughs) Um, it's actually more of a round table discussion (laughs) yeah and just to have more empathy to understand the thought process and and the feelings that they're going through i mean that's that's a great thing Mm. um so i'm happy to round it off there if you are and then that's um I think I've taken up just over an hour of your lunch break. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I've loved every minute and I appreciate no, it so much. No, thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can have a chat again um, at some okay. stage. And um, like I say, I think once I've had uh, a few people on and done kind of that discussion first up, so we get a chance to talk a little bit about yourselves and um, your own history that maybe have a look at having like set topics where we have a couple sure. of people come on. Um, and I think that then again, kind of changes it a little bit more to have um sort of three or four people discussing a certain topic as well uh we'll just bring something different to that the the type of conversation we're having yeah that sounds very fun well I, thank you so much for having this podcast and for for being a voice out there to help other people and to have them have a place to come to that they can understand more about mental health and it's so needed and i thank you for doing what you're doing oh, thank you uh, little blushes now <laughs> <laughs> i should say earlier i forget exactly what you were saying but you were you were saying something and i was just sat here nodding it's <laughs> like oh yeah she can't see <laughs> just nodding away to myself <laughs> like, yeah that's so true no thank you very much for coming on um it's been really good to have you uh one last thing i'd like to do if you're happy with it is to get you Uh to kind of um introduce yourself um and i'll just clip that to the start of the episode um so what i've done with the other guests is just to get them to introduce themselves um just by name um where you currently are so over in texas um and any web links or anything like that you'd like to give out um it's up to you if you want to give out your website that you don't have access to it hi i'm michelle Sedis. i live in texas flower mound texas i am an inspirational author and i can be found at on twitter at michelle Sedis. 
Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've only recently like started to get the hang of cropping um, the audio. Ah, uh, nice. I've, I've worked out that I can zoom in and it cool. gets me a lot closer so I don't have to sort of press play and then try to stop it at the right time and then oh, I've missed it so I have to send it back and play it again. Um, oh. So it's, it's a nice little learning experience for me That's as well. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you very much. Well, Nye. cool. This has been great. I've been excited. I, know. I had a great time. Yeah, and it was worth the wait as well. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yes, thank you so much. Um, at the moment, I think I'm on uh, about a two-week turnaround, something like that. So um, the okay. podcast will probably go up in about two weeks, but I'll tag you in um, on Twitter uh, when it comes up as well. Okay, great. Look forward to it. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Have a good day. Alrighty. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.